Welcome to Passion Life Church. But can we give the greatest round of applause that we're going to give all day to the greatest king of all kings, Jesus? And that's, that's why we're here. We're here to honor him. So glad that you are, are here at church. And uh, today we are continuing the God Encounter series. Anybody been enjoying the God Encounter series? Let me try it again in Spanish. No, let me... Anybody enjoying the God Encounter series? What we've been doing in the series is simply looking at some people who have had God encounters in the Bible. And the truth is, is that God wants us to encounter him. That's why Jesus came is not for us to have a religion, but for us to have a relationship with him. And, and so an encounter can actually be described as a collision with the unexpected. And I just love that God wants to encounter us today. He wants you to have an encounter with him. If you have your Bible, Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And uh, I want us to be believing throughout our daily, uh, as we go through our daily week, and, and uh, I want us to believe, be believing for the unexpected. I want us to be believing for a collision with the unexpected. And that can happen. That can happen whether God just does a miracle in your life. I, I love, I, I really do love miracles. God can give you a dream. Anybody have dreams in their life that uh, still have not come to pass. Let me see your hand. Dreams that have still not come to pass. Let, let, let me see your hand. Let me, let me just see those hands one more time. You have some dreams that still, how many of you have had some dreams that actually have come true? Let, let me see. Awesome, man, that's awesome. And I'm believing for that. I'm believing. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. God wants to give you a dream, a vision. Sometimes a God encounter can happen through God's word. You're reading God's word and he can show you something that you've never seen before. But I'm believing for more God encounters in my life because the truth be known, they've changed my life. I'm still living off some God encounters that I've had. Can anybody agree? You just have some God encounters, man, they fuel your life. And so today I want to look at, at two people who have a God encounter, but they have two totally different responses to the God encounter. And uh, they just have two totally different responses. And I think their responses are different because of their priorities. And so I've entitled today, The Power of Priority. The power of priority. Have you found Luke chapter 10, verse 38? It says this, now it happened as they went, it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, everybody say Martha. Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary, everybody say Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Everybody say many things. But one thing, but one thing, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, this God encounter happens because Martha invites Jesus to her home. And I was thinking about that. What would you do if you got a knock at the door? And I don't know what you do when you... 
have a knock at the door. I don't know if you hide. But you kind of look out your window as you want to see who, who's there. You know, now with modern technology, um, you can have ring or you have cameras that you can see who's out in the front. But I'm a little old school. We have a peephole. Anybody know what a peephole is? I had to Google whether it was peephole or peekhole because I thought it was, is it a peekhole or is it a, a, a peephole? But I remember one time somebody knocked at my door and uh, I did the whole peephole thing and I'm looking and looking through it, right? And it's weird because it kind of magnifies their face and you kind of look and you try to find out like, okay, who is this person? And you're kind of looking at them and looking up and down with one eyeball, right? And just kind of trying to see. What was weird about this moment is that when I was looking through the peephole, that person actually looked through my peephole. And that was, I got so scared. I was like, mama. And I was like, you don't be looking through my people, all right? But with modern technology today, we have ring. I remember that uh, a couple of months ago, we were going to install solar on our house. And so I have an HOA. And uh, you have to, before you do anything on your house, you have to ask your neighbors. And so I had a paper and I went to my neighbor's uh, house and I knocked on the door and I'm like, you know, and all of a sudden this voice, hello, can I help you? I was like, Sure, I'll have a double-double animal style with fries. And uh, he's like, no, no. And uh, he said, I, we're not home right now. What do you need? And I said, well, I need you to sign a paper. We're installing solar. And, uh, but I just thought about, what if you had a knock at the door? You invited Jesus over, and you hear the knock, and all of a sudden you look outside, and there's a bearded man kind of long hair. I don't know how you picture Jesus. And, and if he was here modern day, he would not be wearing a robe. Come on, he'd be wearing some jeans with some holes in it because he's holy. And maybe, I don't know, some vans or, or something like that. But you look out and you see Jesus. What would you do? Well, Martha let him in. I hope you would let him in too. Or you'd be like, Jesus is here. Let's go out the back door. You know, we're just not ready to receive Jesus. But what I find interesting is that Martha lets him in. And I think what's important to note is that when Jesus comes in, when you allow him to come inside your house, what you do when Jesus enters your house says a lot about what you think that he likes or he desires as a guest. Whenever you entertain or we entertain, we kind of try to find out what our, our, our guests like because we want to entertain them. We, we want them to like, I know people know what kind of iced tea I like and we were gonna head over to a family's house and, and they, they're like, we're buying his favorite iced tea and I, I appreciate that because you know, they understand what I like. But when you open your door and Jesus comes in, the, what you do says a lot about what you think Jesus wants. And Martha opens the door. Jesus comes in, and here's what happens. Two different responses to the presence of God, because they're both going to have a God encounter. But Mary, Martha's sister, goes to Jesus and just sits down, probably takes off her shoes, and she starts listening to Jesus. And what's interesting is that Martha starts serving. Like if Jesus came in your house, what would you do? I wonder if you'd go like, okay, we need to make sure the cross is straight on the, on the wall. You know, I'm so thankful that we frame these scriptures because Jesus would want to see those scriptures. You know what, Jesus, I don't have any pictures of you on the cross and a little bloody, and I just don't do that because my friends come over, they freak out. So I just don't want, but you would have all these expectations of what you think he would want to see in your house. And this is what Martha's going through because she's like, okay, Jesus is here. What does he want to eat? What does he want? What does he need? And the Bible says that she actually gets distracted 
But Mary, she sits down at Jesus' feet. And the Bible says that Martha was distracted with much serving. In other words, she began to be anxious. She started to get frustrated. And she gets so frustrated, we're going to see, that she actually gets mad at her sister. She gets mad at Mary, and she gets mad at Jesus. All right? She gets mad at Jesus. And I don't doubt that Martha loved Jesus. I really do believe that she loved Jesus. She invites him into her home. She, she loves Jesus, but she just doesn't properly respond to Jesus because I don't think that she understands what he wants to do at her house. She has different expectations of what this God encounter could be. And Jesus is going to make a statement and I, to Martha, and I think that we need to hear this statement today because it's so easy for us to suffer from what I call the Martha syndrome. The Martha syndrome. Watch what Jesus says to Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, Martha. You have to understand, Martha, that one thing is necessary. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which will be taken away from her. Let me break this down. He was saying, Martha, you are troubled about many things. And here's what I want us to learn this morning. The power of priority is this. Based on what Jesus says, Jesus is saying this. If you're taking notes, write this down. One thing affects everything, and everything is affected by one thing. Do we have that on the screen? One thing affects everything, and everything is affected by one thing. What is the one thing that Jesus is pointing out? He's pointing out exactly what Mary did. She did the one thing. When Jesus walked in, she sat down and began to listen to Jesus. She began to, let me say it like we talked about last week, she began to drink of his presence. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that serving was wrong. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying that serving was wrong. He was saying you need to know the power of priority in your life. Watch this. And if we can understand Jesus' expectations, then I believe that we can live the life that he wants us to lead. And here's what Jesus was saying to Martha. Listen, Martha, before you stand to serve me, sit at my feet. Before you stand for me, I want you to sit. In other words, if we don't sit at Jesus' feet and receive first, that's priority. If we don't sit and soak in his presence first, you can never stand and serve. Because not that you can't stand and serve, but when you stand and serve, you'll have nothing to give because you've received nothing from Jesus. You cannot give what you do not have. And so what Martha, what Mary was doing is she sat down to receive. I like to say it this way. Rest and receive before you go and give. That's the grace of God. Sitting before Jesus empowers you to stand before him. And so many times I think we switch the priority. And actually religion switches the priority. 
Religion says go and do before you be. God says I want you to be because your being affects your doing. But religion says if you do good, listen, if you do the rituals, if you do them, you will be. Jesus says by my grace, I will make you be a child of God and then your behavior will come from your being. Right? Are we human doers or are we human beings? And you cannot act like a Christian if you're not. Right? Christine Kane says, stop acting like a Christian and just be one. And that's what religion, religion puts all these rules on you that you cannot bear. And Jesus is like, look, if you understand the power of my grace and the power of my priority, I don't even want you to stand before me until you sit at my feet. Because if you stand before you sit, you'll start to be frustrated like Martha. You'll start to be upset like Martha. And the power of priority says this, one thing empowers me to do many things. My church family, there's nothing wrong with many things. And Jesus is not saying that many things are not important. But what he's saying is, is that if you don't do the one thing, the many things will make you anxious and worried. But if you do the one thing, it will empower you to do many things. I'm preaching this morning. And I want to tell you today that if you will do the one thing, I love this because I can do one thing. He's not saying do 15 things. He says do one thing. And here's the cool thing. He wouldn't tell you to do one thing if he didn't think you could do it. So when God says it, he empowers you to do one thing. And what is the one thing? To sit at his feet and soak in his presence. I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about a sponge. Because this week, you know, my wife was out. She wasn't feeling too good and too hot this week. Well, she's always hot, but she wasn't feeling too hot. <laughs> Gotta watch what I say. She listens to the podcast. Uh, she's always hot. And... If I keep saying that, I'm gonna end this early and we're gonna go home early. And... But let's get back on. But she was sick, and so I was cleaning up and just trying to help out. So I noticed that our countertops were, were dirty. And so I went to grab a sponge that I thought was wet, but it wasn't wet, it was dry. I don't know if you've ever held a dry sponge, but I grabbed it and I was just about to wipe our granite countertops. And if, if you notice on some particular um, sponges, they actually have like bristle on one part so you can wash your dishes. And then on the other part, it's, it's soft and, and spongy. Well, this was a smaller version and I did this just for dramatic effect. I got the big one. Thank you, O'Reilly's Auto Parts. And so, um, and so I went to grab this dry sponge and just before I went to, to wipe our granite countertops, I realized that that's not what a sponge is for. Sponges weren't meant to be dry. Sponges were meant to be soaked. And they were meant to be soaked. And the power of the sponge is not this. The power of the sponge is when I take the sponge and I soak it. And here's what happens. Oh, man. Don't tell anybody, all right? I think on the podcast it's going to sound like I'm peeing, but I'm not, all right? So, <laughs> this is real life, people. I'm telling you. 
But you know when this has the most power? When it's soaked. And here's what Jesus was saying to, Mar to Mary. Don't try to serve before you get soaked. Sit down at my feet and get soaked. And if you'll get soaked, watch what happens. What is in you will come out of you. See, this sponge only can give water because it's been soaking and receiving water. And it does no good. You know what I love about sponges? You can use them for, this is actually for, you can wax your car. But you know, I've seen people use this in paint. They stick it in the paint and then they do sponge painting things. It looks weird, but I guess people like it. But here's, here's what I want us to, to really understand, my church family. These were not made to be dry. And the Christian life is a lot like a sponge. God wants us to be soaked before we stand. God wants us to be soaked before we serve. He wants to soak you before you can serve. And what happens to Martha can happen to a lot of us today. And again, he wasn't saying that serving was wrong. He just said, if you serve before you get soaked, you're misplacing your priorities and you're going to end up frustrated like Martha. And man, listen, today I'm not picking on Martha, but her story is in the Bible. Thank you for serving me today. Here, oh, you're going to give it to me to wipe it. Thank you. I got excited. I thought he was, because he was down there, I thought he was going to wipe that, but. Thank you. And so here's the reality. Jesus is saying, if you don't get and understand the power of priority, then you're going to be frustrated. And I love Martha. Listen, but scripture writes her story and a lot of messages have been done on her, and I understand. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound weird, but hopefully you'll understand what I'm saying. I'm a lot like Martha. I can be Martha like this. Hello. No, I can be Martha. I can be a busybody. I can, I can, there's so many things to get done as the pastor of the church. And I'm preaching to you something that has so affected my life, because last year in a message I said, this next year in 2019, I want to be more devoted to God. I want to work on my devotion. Do you know in Hebrews, the only time it tells us to labor, it says this, labor to rest. So I, I, and we have this idea that resting is, is just not doing anything. Actually, resting is sitting in the presence of God and being soaked and allowing him to take care of the areas that we're so worried about. And, and I want to encourage you because God can take care of the many things more than you can. But he wants to be first. And you know what's interesting? When I made more of an effort in my devotion, my production increased. Let me say that again. When I went into my devotion more, my production increased. Because the grace of God will always empower you to do service. Paul said this. This blew my mind. I was reading it this week, Paul said, by the grace of God, I work harder than you all. What? Paul says, when you're under grace, you will work harder because there is a supernatural empowerment that God will do in your life to allow you to do many things if you'll do the one thing first. My church family, this is not rocket science, 
But you know what? There are many things that are buying for your time. There are many things that are buying for your, your time. Now, can I just say that what happens to Martha can happen to a lot of us without sitting, without soaking. You know what? If you don't sit and soak, you're going to be like that dry sponge that I had. You know what happens with dry, dry sponges? They're abrasive. You know what happens with dry sponges? They become hard. And I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of hard and abrasive Christians. It's actually an oxymoron, I think. But you know what? It happened to Martha, and it can happen to us. But when you sit and soak, you know what happens? What's what in you comes out. This is why, you know, I love what Victor and his wife said today. They said this. They said that they were able to give. My church family, God never expects you to give what you don't have. That's why, watch this, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, given it shall be given. The implication there is that you have something to give. Why? Because God has given you something. He doesn't ask you for something that he has not already given to you. And so what they did is they realized, hey, God has given to us. And you know what? By his presence and his grace, that's why when you squeeze this, generosity comes out. That's why when you sit and you soak, guess what else comes out? Service comes out. Why? Because that's all a part of God's heart. This is who he is. But listen, if you are self-absorbed, selfishness comes out. If you're self-absorbed, What's in you will come out. And Jesus says, listen, let me work in you before I work through you. Because if you mess up that priority, it's going to mess you up. So sit and soak. Remember, the power of priority is one thing affects everything, right? And I love what, what Jesus tells Martha. He says this, you've chosen what is good. What is good? I looked that word up in the Greek because the New Testament is written in Greek. And you know what the word good, part of the word good there, he says, watch this. He says, you have chosen what accelerates your life. He, the word is accelerating in the expect of distinguished good. It means, in other words, the one thing can accelerate your life. So I want to do the one thing. But watch what happens to Martha because she's distracted. Watch what happens when you don't do the one thing. See if you can kind of relate to some of these because I did. Let me give you three effects of being distracted. Here's what distracted, being distraction or what distraction will do in your life. Let me say it this way. Look at what distraction will do. Here's number one. Distraction causes doubt. Martha said, verse 40, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? that my sister has left me alone? My church family, listen to this, the devil doesn't have to destroy you, all he has to do is distract you. Let me say it again. The devil doesn't have to destroy you, all he has to do is distract, distract you. Distraction will cloud your vision. Lord, don't you care. Now listen to this, okay? I want you to listen to how distraction clouds your vision. Lord, don't you care? Martha, he's in your living room. Martha, 
Jesus had about three, three and a half years of ministry. Every single thing he did was strategic. Every person that he spent time with was strategic. You know why? Because he was on a certain period of time because he had to go to the cross. And Martha, you invited him into your house and he said yes. And he's sitting in your living room and you're asking if he cares about you. And I wonder how many of us in our life, we have the presence of God that is in our life because we've invited him and we're going through something and the first thing is like, Lord, don't you care? My Bible says he never leaves us and he never forsakes us, but circumstances don't determine his presence. He never leaves and he never forsakes you and he is sitting in the living room of your heart. Lord, you don't care. That's somebody that is distracted. My church family, he cares. He came to earth to save us from our sin. He came into her house. He came to spend time with Martha. Jesus not only cares about Martha, he loves her unconditionally. And he loves you unconditionally. But can I just tell you this? Distraction is so subtle. You usually don't know you're distracted until something happens. Can I hear a good amen today? Did you hear about the story with the, the lady, I think it was with the Tesla, that they have this autopilot thing. Somebody took a photo of her. She's driving on autopilot and she's asleep on the 15. And then she woke up. What I think is kind of interesting is nobody's talking about the person who was filming her. Maybe they were distracted as well. But if you've ever driven at night, and try to stay awake. You don't know that you were sleeping until you awake. And this is what happens with distraction, is that a lot of times we don't know that we're distracted because it's so subtle. Now watch this. Here's one of the reasons why I think it's so subtle, my church family, because we can be distracted with good things. Serving is not wrong. Serving is good. Can I hear a good amen? But she was distracted with something that was good. Let, let me just break it down just a little bit more. Because in, 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 as Christians, we get distracted with good things. Can I just tell you, healing is a good thing that God has. But I know that so many people get distracted, get distracted with the healing. They forget the healer. And what they do is they start to take their eyes off the healer and they're so consumed with the healing and so consumed with the medication and so consumed because I'm after my healing. If you would go after him, you would be healed. And I'm not saying that all of those other things are wrong. I'm just saying to go after him first. We're so consumed, we're so distracted with pain. And I'll tell you what, I'm telling you, I'm preaching from my heart because there's times I, I have two herniated discs or had two herniated discs in my back from a, a car accident. And the last two years I've been so healed and been able to do a lot of things, but there have been days where I've been in so much pain that I can't get out of bed and pain is excruciating. Everything hurts. And my church family, the temptation is to focus on the one thing, which is pain. But you know what I've done in those moments when I feel pain? I focus on how good God is and that he is my healer. And you know what? Something begins to happen when I focus on the one thing of who who he is, but we can be distracted with pain. It's like the lady that told me, oh, I didn't come to the healing service because I was sick. I wasn't able, I, didn't, I wasn't feeling well, so I didn't come to the healing service. 
when we have a healing service, and we're going to have them, we have worship and we pray for people. You know, during that healing service, a man came down that had braces that he had wore most of his life because of an injury in the military. And we prayed for him. And in that service, the braces came off. And he began to walk without the braces for the very first time. And what happens? Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And you know what? We didn't focus on healing. What we did is we, we worshiped the healer. We put him in his place. Come on, is this good this morning? See, we can be distracted with good things. We can focus on our financial resources, right? Looking at the bank and we can forget the source. My church family, your job is a resource that God uses, but God is always your source. And resources will change, but we've gotta make him the source, the one thing. Or I've heard single people focus on, I'm the single. I can't wait till I'm not single. I'm just so single. I'm single. All right, we know. You're acting weird. But if you can even take your eyes off your singleness, oh, Pastor Phil, I can't wait till God brings the one in my life. Oh, you're talking about the one thing? I'm waiting for that one thing. Can I just tell you? that if you'll put your eyes on the ultimate matchmaker, do you know that he knows exactly where your good thing is and he will bring that person to you? Can I hear a good amen? Yeah, you can give him a good round of applause. You know, my father passed away probably about four or five months ago now and I was stricken with grief. And I wanna tell you this morning that there are things that are fighting to be your one thing. And again, there's nothing wrong with grief. I grieved, but can I just tell you that grief tried to be my one thing? And if I allow grief to be my one thing, it affects multiple things in my life because I have a church to pastor. I have a family, I have my own son, but I could allow grief to be my one thing. But here's what I had to remind myself, grief is okay. But listen, my dad was not my savior, he was my father. My dad was not the one who saved my soul and gave me life, Jesus was. And when I focused on the one thing, it helped me with my grief. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on somebody. Something's fighting for you to be your one thing. Your kids are fighting to be your one thing. Come on, I'm in California, so I'm gonna say it. Your dog is fighting to be your one thing. Your cat, not so much. For all the cat people, we love them. We never see the cat. I've been over people's houses. I have a cat, haven't seen him in two years. I think he's under the couch not the cat. Your job is fighting to be your one thing. Is this good this morning? It's fighting to be your one thing. And here's what we do. Watch. We take God and we try to fit him into our schedule. And then we wonder why it's not working. God doesn't want to be fit into your schedule. God wants your schedule to be fit around him. And he says, if you'll do the one thing, he'll make multiple things happen in your life. If you'll do the one thing. That is the grace of God. 
So watch this. Jesus knows that he's the only one thing that has the power to handle the many things in your life. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Listen, things are not wrong. It's just that he wants to be number one so he can add the things to your life. And notice it says added, not given. God has a way of not just giving you stuff. He has a way of adding things to your life if you will allow him to be your one thing. So when I sit at his feet, I'm reminded of his presence that he's with me. Not, Lord, where are you? And let me, let me break this down. I know we're busy. I get it. But I've learned that even 10 or 15 minutes of just reading. And listen, I, I love podcasts. I love Christian TV. I love all of that. But can I just tell you, those things are enhancing our Christian walk. They're very good. But let me tell you, there is no substitute for sitting in the presence of God and listening to his voice for yourself and allowing him to encourage you and inspire you for the week. Because let me tell you something, moms, there's a grace to be a mom and you can do it, but you'll have to make him the one thing. Pastor Phil, I want to be a better father. What do I have to do? Do the one thing. Because what I have found is that when I put my devotion on him, I'm becoming a better husband. I'm becoming a better, uh, a, a better pastor. I'm becoming a, a better father. Why? Because when I did the one things, it's helping me in multiple things in my life. It's just one thing. Everything will come out of that one thing. Here's number two. Distraction causes resentment. Verse 10, it says, tell her to help me. Come on, Jesus. She's just sitting there. I'm busy. Listen, Jesus wasn't doing what Martha wanted him to do when Martha wanted Jesus to do it. You know you gotta be pretty upset when you interrupt Jesus. But watch this. Martha was so consumed with what she was doing, she forgot who she was doing it for. woo Let me say that again for all of you that look confused. <laughs> Martha was so consumed with what she was doing that she forgot who she was doing it for. My, my church family, how easy is that to happen in our lives? And Martha actually believes that she's being treated unfairly. And Martha, listen, she's so mad, she doesn't even say her sister's name. She's like, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. That's how mad she is. She's so mad. And Martha feels like, oh, I'm just here. I'm all alone. I'm doing all the work. Ever felt that way? I'm here. I'm all alone. And Jesus, it's your fault. It's my sister's fault. My church family, resentment can be the results of unmet expectations. Let me say that again. Resentment can be the result of unmet expectations. First off, Jesus did not invite himself into your house, Martha. You invited Jesus into your house. How many of you would say you invited Jesus into your heart, into your house? Let me see your hand. Right? Some of you aren't sure. Now watch this because this is so important. And I think we think this way sometimes. Martha thought Jesus needed to be served when he came to her house. Listen, Martha thought Jesus came to her house to be served. But Matthew 20, 28 says what Jesus came to do. Matthew 20, 28 says the son of man did not come to what? 
Come on, say it loud. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom forever for everyone. Listen, Martha, what are you worried about? Okay, what are we going to feed Jesus? The dude fed 5,000 people with two loaves and five fishes. What are you going to give to him? Right? I don't know. What, what does he want to drink? Listen, Jesus turns water into wine. He's sitting in your living room. What are you going to, oh, whoa, I don't know. Uh, can we afford lunch? Afford lunch? Jesus turned a fish into an ATM. <laughs> he told Peter, we're going to pay taxes? Go find the fish, pull it out. And there was money in the fish. You can't afford lunch with Jesus and all of his disciples. Jesus did not come to your house to take. Jesus came, Martha, to your house to impart life to you and give you his word. And all he wants you to do is sit at his feet and soak and soak in and hear him and hear his word. Because when you do that, something happens in your heart. See, I know a lot of people that they know the hows. Martha knows how to serve. Martha knows what goes on what plate. She knows, right? There's a lot of people that know how, but they don't know God's heart. And I've been in church for years where people tell me, oh, I know, I know how all this thing works. We come into church, sing some song, try to get me to sing, clap my hands. Church tries to take my money. <laughs> try to get me to do free work. They call it volunteering. And they say doing it for God. I, I know how all this thing works. Can I just tell you as a pastor, one of my biggest shocks, biggest shock, I mean, I, I expect unbelievers to act like unbelievers. It doesn't surprise me when sinners sin. I know some of you, know, I can't believe that person at work did that. They're sinners. Sinners sin. That's what they do. That's what you did before you had a savior. It didn't bother me. That's what unbelievers do. They question everything. I don't know about that. I don't know either. I don't know how a cow can eat green grass and give me white milk. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to take that milk and I'm going to dip Oreos in it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care how it all happened, but it happened. You know what my biggest shock as a pastor was the people that came in and they knew. They would, I've had lunch with people. They would re recite things from the Bible. And I would just sit there and go, I'm going to quit because I just don't know what this person knows. And they know all the how. Watch this. But you know what shocked me is that they were like Martha. A lot of them were mean, abrasive. They don't serve. They won't give. And I'm like, you know what? Here's the deal. You know the house, but you don't know God's heart. See, what happens is when you sit at his feet, his heart is given to you. See, I don't serve today because I have to. I don't serve today because I'm trying to impress God like Martha. I serve today because I've sat at his feet. And when I sat at his feet, his heart was transferred into my heart. So I can't help but serve because when you squeeze me, service comes out. When you squeeze me, generosity comes out. And that's what happens when you sit at his his feet. Are you still there this morning? But we can get resentful if we don't sit before we serve. Martha knew all the hows, but did all the hows, but she didn't know God's heart. That Jesus didn't come there to see how clean her house was. Can I just tell you? You don't have to clean your house before he comes over. That's religion. Religion says clean it, make it spick and span, or he won't come over. Jesus says, Let me come in your house and I will empower you and your life will be clean. That's the difference. But if you don't understand the expectation, 
He came to give. Mary sat and received. And because she sat and received. Do you know Martha has a bad rap in the Bible? But I, I encourage you to study Mary. Mary will give one of the most incredible worship experiences to Jesus that he ever has. And it's because, not out of her own works, it's because she sat at his feet. And let me just tell you this, people that sit at Jesus' feet know things that other people don't know. Mary would end up anointing Jesus and his body for his burial. She knew that his berry, that he was coming and he was about to die. And I wonder if that's what he was talking about when he went to Martha's house. He wanted to gather them and say, hey, I'm gonna die for your sins. And Mary's like, oh, you're gonna die for my sin. And then about two weeks before he dies, she opens up and gives Jesus the most generous gift, some perfume, come on, Chanel number five. She opens it up and she pours it out on Jesus. And we are, Mary is famous in the Bible. You know what she did? First she sat. And then she stood. First she received, and then she gave. And you may know how it works, but God wants to give you his heart. When I sit before his feet, his heart is transferred to me. It's the, Jesus said serving the people who serve are the greatest in the kingdom. You know why? Because our God is a servant. Our God is a servant. He says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. My church family, there's nothing that you can do in service that impresses him. You know what impresses him? Is when we sit at his feet and we hear his heart and we have his heart. That's why Jesus says, we read in the book of, I think it's Corinthians, he says, God loves a hilarious giver. God loves a great giver, why? Because that means you have his heart. In you. That's why God loves it so much. Here's the last one for today. Distraction res resorts to self-pity and complaining. I want to challenge you if you're a complainer. Have you been sitting before the Lord? Because that's what happens with Martha. She's complaining. I like to say complaining is prayer in reverse. It's prayer in reverse. Saying all these things. And in truth... She's saying to Jesus, I love that. But for many of us, we just complain. And you know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't yell at Martha. He, he says to her, listen, Martha's so distracted, Jesus has to say her name twice. Martha, Martha. That's how distracted she is. But he doesn't, he doesn't yell at her. All this he says is you're so consumed with so many things and one thing is needed. That's our savior. That's what he's saying to us today. Passion Life Church, listen, you want the life that I came to give you? Just seek me and you'll find me. Sit with me and you'll find yourself standing for me. Man, I feel God's presence. But see, what self-pity does is starts to say, who's gonna take care of me? I'm all by myself. My church family, Jesus was sharing a life-changing revelation to Mary and Martha. Do the one thing. And he'll do that. You know, if you'll sit at his feet, some of you are, you, you, things are happening with your kids you don't understand, sit at his feet. Jesus may reveal exactly what's going on with your kids. 
I know that people who, yes, I, I got one, amen. I've known people that have gone to doctor after doctor and doctors can't figure it out. Listen, I love doctors, but I've had people that go to doctor after doctor and they, they say, Phil, they couldn't figure it out, but I started praying about it and God showed me what was wrong with my kid. That's what happens, come on, when you sit before the Lord. Your many things can be taken care of with one thing. And I think God used this story of these two well-known women in, in the Bible to demonstrate to us the type of relationship he wants with us. He wants you to sit. I thought, look at what happens when you have misplaced priorities. Look at the contrast. I call it the Martha syndrome and Mary's solution. Look, it says Martha's syndrome, fret, worry. Mary's sitting at his feet, peace. Martha syndrome, complaining. Mary's solution, quiet. Martha syndrome, focusing on my feelings. What is Mary doing? She's praying. Martha syndrome, I'm anxious, I'm worried. Mary is, I'm at Jesus' feet. Martha syndrome, oh, I, I'm questioning, I'm doubting unbelief. Mary's solution, faith. My church family, today as I close, I want you to know something. God operates by priorities. And his priority is God wants you to be before you do. He wants to work in you before he works through you. Watch this. Let me just give you three quick scriptures. Watch. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If any man, everybody say that. What's the next word? Be. Does he say if any man acts like Christ first? No, he says if you be in Christ, then you become a new creature. And only Jesus can make you be. And your doing comes out of your being. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, watch. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will what? Be. Say it loud. Be. Be. Witness. You know, Jesus never says, go do witnessing. Here's what he says, just be a witness. When you show up on, at work, watch how people look at you because if you'll be a witness, when you show up at work, people go, man, there's something radiating from you. There's something different. You don't even have to say anything at some times. They're just like, there's something different about you. My church family, that's being a witness. Somebody once said, right, witness, but you don't even have to use words, right? It, use words if necessary. There should, we should be a witness all the time to our kids at work, but it says you have to be. And he told the disciples, wait here until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, you will be a witness. Listen, but I don't want you to go do any works until you be filled with the Spirit. Here's the last one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, what is it, brethren, what does it say? Be strong. Do you know when you start reading that, he talks about taking a stand. But read, if you read on, he doesn't even want you to stand until you be strong in him. It's my standing comes from being strong because I can try to stand without strength and I will fail. But if I allow God to put his strength in me, I will stand against things, I will stand against hell, I will stand against every demon, why? Not in my own strength, because I be strong in the Lord. My church family, here is the power of priority, our doing flows from our being. And I wanna close with this today. Are you overwhelmed with many things today? 
And here's my question. Has your one thing changed? Have you allowed the many things to become your one thing? Because if you'll put the one thing in its place, Jesus will help you and empower you to take care of your many things. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause for his word? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.